Long. Way outside for the three. It's good. He got it. It's good. Season for Texas, they finished 34 and 0. The number one ranked team from beginning to end, winning their first NCAA championship. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Texas 24 podcast on the Dave Campbell's Podcast Network. I'm Matthew Bruni, and joining me is Ishmael Johnson. Ish, did you have a Merry Christmas, and uh, how are you liking San Antonio? Two questions for you. <laughs> uh, first, yes, had a great Christmas. Hope you had the same. Uh, I've been basically south of Dallas since uh, after state. I basically immediately came down to uh, Dallas for until, until a little after the new year, I'll head back. But uh, yes, I'm also liking San Antonio. I've only been here a couple of days, but... It's always uh, it's always not bad to, to hang out in your neck of the woods for a yes, little bit. It's great. Great. Good good to have you. Welcome to the 210. <laughs> yeah. Um yeah, I had to make that seven hour drive from Baton Rouge to San Antonio. So um uh, right before Christmas. So been here for what uh three, four or five days now at this point. So good to good to go. We didn't miss any basketball games because there was really no basketball games across the country from on like the 24th, 25th, or 26th. Mm-hmm. And I was like all right well i guess just nobody's playing college basketball but they are also preparing for the conference season which makes sense but still i was just fiending for basketball especially christmas eve mm-hmm. we had some family over and there were no sports on there's no yeah. sports on christmas eve it's and wild right <laughs> it's the worst thing in the world there was supposed to be the hawaii bowl but yeah, then that I got canceled and so never no bowl games no nfl no ncaa no nba and we're just here like and then like and then like for me on christmas it was like too much there was like almost too much like yeah especially because like obviously covid is like cutting through all the sports right now so they're canceling everything and so like even the nba games that were on it was like i don't know who this dude is like, i watched one <laughs> i watched one nba game and it was the suns warriors yeah it was suns warriors because like one. for the most part everybody was healthy and everybody was playing and so that was the only like really good competitive game because otherwise you're watching you know, G League, whoever on the Bucks, first right, or the, yeah, or the Mavs, Demarcus Cousins on the Bucks. I didn't even know that until <laughs> I saw the game. Um, exactly. And then also, like, by the way, five games is too many on Christmas. It's a lot. It's it, there should be three. Like, there needs to be three: morning, afternoon, night. Like, that's just keep it simple. And then, of course, NFL decided to add some games this year. Yeah. And so it was like, oh, geez, there's just like, there's too I much. Know. It was too much going on. I ended up like I watched that game and then i think i watched colts cardinals in the nfl later that night yeah that was i, it. That I was like there's just too much going on right now i watched that too my, my christmas is usually free like we don't have like as much family over so especially right. with covid we didn't have it. so yeah. all right college basketball um how do we want to preface this i'll let i'll let you lead into this how we want this to call this episode yeah so this is kind of our 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 uh while you were away episode uh, for all the football fans that are maybe winding down from the season, you know, your teams are just starting to get done with their bowls or, you know, the New Year's six is coming up. So people are probably starting to shift a little bit more to basketball. Uh, this is kind of our catch up episode. If you want a little uh, cheat sheet, I guess, going into conference play, this is what this is for. We're going to do two episodes. This episode is going to be men's basketball. 
we'll record another one with Justin Carter, hopefully, of women's basketball. And we're going to basically catch you up on what's gone on so far in this little, not even half season, maybe third, one-third season, uh, mostly non-conference. What's new? What's different? What's, what do you got to watch out for? Um, who are some of the names you can watch out for heading into January through March, basically? So exactly. we're hoping to kind of do that. And exactly. we, figured, we figured now that everybody's, you know, not everybody's like us paying attention to basketball from October on. Uh, people are still definitely, uh, their attention fans are a lot more focused and they can focus only on one thing, um, which I don't blame them. Uh, it's a lot to keep up with the multiple sports. But uh, so now that football's winding down, why not join us? <laughs> it's a fun season so far. Yeah. Um, Texas strength of schedule is 357th. So if you didn't watch Texas uh, men's, then don't feel like you missed anything because they only <laughs> played two games against good teams and they lost them both. So um, <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about them. We'll talk about them. Uh, you don't have to watch them play Incarnate Word, which they did yesterday on the 28th, uh, on the t- day we're rec- or after the day we're recording this or before mm-hmm. the day we're recording this. Um, so let's start with what, what we know. And what we know uh, has stayed the same uh, since last year. And I think Baylor is a good place to start. Baylor yeah. is once again the dominant team in college basketball or one of the dominant teams in college basketball. They're one of the only undefeated teams left in the country, along with teams like LSU and uh, Iowa State and USC. Um, but Baylor has just proven themselves to be a consistent force on both ends, despite losing the backcourt of Davion Mitchell, Jared Butler, and Macy Oteague. They are fifth in offense and fourth in defense, according to Ken Palm. Um, they've added star, they've added freshmen like Kendall Brown and Jeremy Sokan, two players who with really high upside that are starting to find their footing. Um, they retain Adam Flagler. They retain uh, Matthew Mayer. They uh, added James Akinjo. Probably James Akinjo, for those who don't know, at point guard has done – wonders for this team just because of what he's developed into early in the year. I was kind of skeptical. He's really found his shot. He has uh, settled into that playmaker that they've needed. And so uh, James Akinjo is kind of stepping into being perhaps the best player on this team, if not one of the best players on this team um, throughout the season. So then you have other players like LJ Cryer, a shooter, um, Jonathan Chalmachachua and uh, Flo Thombar in the front court. Once again, same as last year. So, really just they've continued to do what they've done and it's been a pretty difficult schedule. It hasn't been the hardest schedule, but they've beaten uh, was this one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, top 10, top 100 teams. They beat the, they beat the breaks off Villanova, who was, who was a top 20 team in the country. Um, VCU is another good team. They beat Michigan state as well. So yeah, interesting or really impressive start for Baylor to start the season. And I don't see it stopping once conference play starts. Yeah, I guess like that's you can really look at aside from maybe Purdue, you can kind of look at the top five yes. in college basketball, and like you could trans if this was like beginning of March or February last year, you could take this top five. I'm looking at Ken Palm, really the ratings: Baylor, Gonzaga, Purdue, Houston, Kansas. Right? Maybe aside from Purdue, if you transpose this to like February, that's yes. probably for the top five that we were expecting last year, right? Um, at least, at least midway through the season. I know Houston was kind of a late rise, but um, at least midway through the season, once the season got going, that's kind of the, 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 the pack that we had. And so for them to be consistent with some of these, you know, with a lot of these teams replacing a lot, and that, that kind of brings me to 
you know, your point on Baylor where at this point it's just kind of a system, right? And I think that we'll get to another team in the state that kind of, or a couple teams in the state that kind of reflect their system as opposed to more uh, just their players or kind of talent uh, or just talent on the court. Um, I can go on to Houston. You know, Houston's another team that is still really good. Now, unfortunately, a couple of days ago it was announced that Marcus Sasser will be will miss the entire year. Of course, Marcus Sasser probably, golly, we'll talk about MVPs and, and like kind of like breakout players. He was definitely up there in terms of just a guy who was hitting another level this year. Um, he was somebody who, in terms of talent, was probably their second most talented player last year. Um, and we somebody we expected to maybe step up a little bit more than he did in the play, in the in the tournament. Um, yeah. And he was he was probably I'd say in the tournament he was probably their third or fourth most important player behind like Jero and and Gorham of course yeah. behind Grimes as number one. But this year he was stepping up to the plate to being the alpha dog, and he was he was kind of the reason why Houston really looked like the team that. Uh, look like a team that could replicate last year maybe not a final four but definitely a team that you had to consider in that race or in that conversation yeah and so it's gonna be it's huge it's very unfortunate you know he's averaging let me see 17 points over 17 points a game um on 43 percent shooting which again is a better percentage than he was last year as more of a second option um he was averaging a little bit a, a little bit a tick higher in assists um almost an entire steal high um steal more basically all in the same minutes. He was putting up more, about two more shots, one or two more shots per game, shooting better from three, almost 10% better, 10% um, percentage points better from three. And yeah, I just think that Houston was finally starting to find its balance. And so now, of course, it comes, you know, we can kind of, we're kind of wondering where Houston's ceiling is now when they kind of have to readjust on the fly because it looked like they were finally starting to get the balance right with Jamal Shedd at the point um with Kyler Edwards at the running two and Marcus Sasser kind of playing off ball a little bit more now okay well you know Tremont Marks of course still battling injuries so he's still coming into the fold a little bit more who is that score now is it a Kyler Edwards is he that type of player I don't know yeah um so yeah unfortunately you know when we when we talk about teams that we do know or teams that aren't that kind of remain the same Baylor and Houston are number one and two and unfortunately for Houston now, it does become kind of a question mark heading into the conference play. Yeah, Sasser was their best player um, this season, I think by a significant margin. Mm-hmm. Um, you do have other players that have stepped up, like you mentioned, uh, and they're still number nine in the country in offensive rebound percentage. So that won't change. Uh, if anything, they're going to have to rely on that even more moving forward because Marcus Sasser was lighting it up from three, shooting 43.7%. Um it, it significantly lowers this team's ceiling to me just because of the way he can shoot the ball and what he can do off ball screens. And so I still think they're probably the favorites in the um, American. I mean, just going through it, there's not a ton of heavy hitters here. Like the next highest ranked team is Memphis, and I don't trust Memphis to be consistent. Yeah, so, they're, they're, they have their own issues to work out with that. Line. Yeah, exactly. So, but I mean, Wichita State's taking a step back. Uh, UCF's in the 50s, you know, so they're they're still going to win the conference. It's just getting into to March. Once you get in these tight games against other top 25 teams, yeah, I'm not sure they can go punch for punch with Alabama like they did earlier this year. So also, I mean, like, I wonder, like, when you get in the conference tournament, like, 
is this a team because you know conference tournament you know it's, it's literally one and done and so like I could see this being a team that maybe loses in the conference tournament right like yep. they win the regular season when it's a marathon but if they run up against an SMU right who's who's playing pretty well right and I don't think SMU's hit anywhere close to their ceiling and they're still yes. about nine and three um or a Memphis who has you know I've talked about their issues with their lineup but they still they still do have talented players like Amani Bates who again is is having issues gelling with that lineup but any given game right we've seen players get hot in the tournament and if it's if they run up against a team that can score a little bit like an SMU or something and they just hit a hot streak you know it seems like one of those teams that Houston feels like one of those teams where now if their defense is off I don't know if they have that scoring punch because I just don't know if because I think it probably does fall on Kyler Edwards shoulders right scoring and so like I don't know if he's that guy who can really go toe for toe with a, with a Kendrick Davis, right? Yeah, and and Jamal Shedd probably. Yeah. Um. Yeah. All right. Uh, the last team that I think has stayed pretty much the exact same from last year, uh, has been North Texas. We'll mm-hmm. talk about a couple other teams. Uh, North Texas. If you watched them last year, um, they changed a good amount of personnel just because of the senior heavy team that last year's team was, just with Javion Hamlet, Zachary Simmons, um, James Reese ends up transferring. But, I mean, if you watch the last year's team, you watch this year's team, it's very, very similar, despite the obvious change in personnel. Uh, mm-hmm. Maybe there's a, there's tweaks to the offense just because they don't have Javion Hamlet, so it's a little bit more ball movement, um, a little more ball screen type stuff to get them um, open looks. But defensively, they're still really, really good. Top 50 in the country on defense, still play one of the slowest paces in the country, um, still get really good shots on offense. Still, still don't turn the ball over. So, if you watch them beat Purdue in the NCAA tournament, it's, you're looking at a very similar team—a team that is also capable of winning this conference and a team that is capable of making the NCAA tournament once again. So, um, not too much to talk about there. Uh, and one name to know is Tyler Perry uh, at the point guard position. Uh, they bring him off the bench, uh, but he is their best scorer by a pretty significant margin he's shooting 45% from three still. Um, and I mean, other than him, you have some returners, Thomas Bell and Marjorie McBride and Abu Usman who kind of, and Ruben Jones who kind of lead the way they're all, all five of their starters are returners. Then off the bench is where you get some, some new faces like Tyler Perry. So yeah. Um, yeah, same team as last year. I expect them to do very well in conference. Yeah. I was looking up some of the numbers for, uh, Tyler Perry, just to see kind of how impactful he's been. He's eighth in the country. This is per uh, sports reference. Eighth in the country in offensive rating, first by a long shot in Conference USA. Uh, fourth in Conference USA in offensive offensive box uh, plus minus, yeah. and he's first actually in defensive plus minus. Yeah. And so I just think he's been he's been stellar. Like uh, we when we were talking with uh, McCaslin in the off season, and we you know we asked him we're like, hey, who are some of the guys who you know will take up that for JV on Hamlet. Cause you have, it's so hard with any team to replace somebody like that who can just go get a bucket, right? Anytime mm-hmm. the offense breaks down, anytime you need a clutch bucket or anything, anytime you need something like that, you know, it's, it's so easy just to be like, all right, cool. JV going to bail us out anytime. Yeah. Um, and they've, you know, Tyler Perry's not doing it to that extent, but you see the flashes of the ability to maybe, you know, as the season goes along, he turns into that guy. They're definitely doing it by committee more. Um, you know, Thomas Bell stepping up. Um, uh, Jones is stepping up as well. So you see a bunch of guys like stepping up to the plate. But I think Tyler Perry is definitely and he has the shooting percentages and the numbers to show that like, OK, if this guy 
this guy, there's, a, there's like another level to this guy um, as the season progresses. So yeah. I think he's at like almost 20, 20 points per 40, basically. Like he's, he's on some insane pace right now. So yeah. Uh, another team I want to give a shout out to is Stephen F. Austin. Um, for again, just because we're getting everybody caught up on what they missed to this point. Stephen F. Austin, I think, is very similar to last year's team. Uh, last year they ranked 151 in Kimpom. This year they're 141. Uh, very, very good team. And they've kept it close with Kansas, uh, kept it close with St. Louis. Good team. Beat Buffalo, which is a really good team. Um, beat Liberty. That's also a really good team. So, I mean, I think they're higher than 151. Honestly, I think. I mean, Liberty is 123, I think, uh, when they beat them. I think 120s is probably more appropriate for them, if not higher. So, um, yeah, look up for SFA. I'm going to – we've talked about Texas Southern before. I just want to – their Ken Palm rating has really gone up in this little two-game win streak they've had because before the Florida game, they were oh, yeah. 240, and they're a 190 right now. Mm-hmm. Like, of course, the Florida win helps a lot, but even just that little win over UTRGV yeah. – um, and then looking at looking at their schedule, I mean, like again, they're one of the favorites in the SWAC. They're probably I'd probably pencil them to lose maybe th- two or three of these games. And so, like, this is going to be a really fun uh, uh, Texas Southern team to keep track of because, of course, when you uh, Ken Palm, you know, they they can only do so much with it. You know, they can't they can't keep uh, a loss is a loss. And even though yeah. we were a fan of this team and and we we were fans of how this team hung in there with some games, of course, Ken Palm's going to knock them down, but. Now that they're, I feel like they're stabilized at this 190-ish range, and I'm curious to see where they go from here because they only have them, Ken Palm only has them uh, underdogs at Jackson State. Um, And so if they do finish with like some type of like 16 and 11 or uh, 15 and 12 record, like what does their rating look like compared to, you know, how much does that Florida win like almost like really save their Ken Palm rating? Do we think uh, wrapping up teams that have stayed the same from last year um, is SMU on that level for you, despite the change in personnel? No, I think they're different. I okay. think that's kind of a, we can kind of transition now to, to kind of what's new um, and we can start with SMU. I think SMU is a team that we kind of pencil in as one of the, one of our interesting teams to watch. Yes. And because of the talent they brought in. And I think what's, what's shocking to me is that the talent hasn't still hasn't really clicked yet. Right. Yeah. It's still Kendrick Davis doing so much of that workload. I want to say he's like uh, putting up like insane usage percentage still, like it's still like the Kendrick Davis show for the most part, but you see the wrinkles, right? You see Marcus Weathers contributing a ton. He's shooting over 50% from the floor. You see um, Zach Nuttall, who's kind of the guy that they're, you're probably expecting more from, right? Yes. Um, but for some reason, Kendrick Davis is still shooting an insane amount. And, and like, he's shooting well, like, from the yeah. floor. Like, he's scoring more, but he's shooting a better percentage. And I don't know, it's, it's a really fascinating thing to watch because they've played an okay schedule, right? It has, hasn't been the hardest schedule. It hasn't been a, a cakewalk either. They've beaten some good teams like Vanderbilt, Dayton, uh, UNLV is a solid team. Um, and they lost, you know, they lost in overtime to Missouri. They lost a close game to Loyola Marymount and they got blew up, blown out by Oregon to start the season, but like, they're pretty okay. And I, I feel like the American outside of the top two or three, like, I don't know. I feel like this is a team that could be a 20 plus win team. Um, especially if we're still like, we're still trying to figure out 
a lot of these pieces together. Um, Tristan Clark, somebody who's playing well when he does play, but he's still kind of obviously working his way back into, yeah. into just kind of consistency playing. But I'm still pretty optimistic about where this SMU team is. This is it, it's it's a it's a weird team for me. I watched them play uh, on a couple occasions, so it's it's still yeah. just a Kendrick Davis show. Like, right. Um. So against Dayton, which I think is a good benchmark for this team, they beat Dayton by eight, and I think mm-hmm. that's a really strong, solid result for them. Um. Kendrick Davis plays thirty four minutes. Starting lineup was Kendrick Davis, Zach Nuttall, Emmanuel Bandamel, uh, Jalen Smith, and Isaiah J.C. Before the season, Jalen Smith and Isaiah JC, we did not project in the starting lineup. Right. Obviously, we had one of the weathers, and we had probably Tristan Clark if you threw him in there. Zach Nuttall plays 24 minutes, but nobody plays besides Kendrick Davis plays over 26 minutes yeah. in a game that is pretty competitive against a good Dayton team. Um, nobody plays over 26 minutes besides Kendrick Davis. And you look at the team, and it's like they're deep. And they play Mike, Michael Weathers. Um, they play Marcus Weathers. Both of them play over 20 minutes. They play Tristan Clark, 17 minutes, like you said. But it's just like it's not panning out exactly how we expect it to go just from a talent perspective. And obviously that's that's fine. You don't have to play exactly who we presume you to play. But it hasn't resulted in them being significantly better to this point on in, in anything really. Like the offensive numbers are really solid. They're all like in the 30s to 50s, you know, range, like effective field goal percentage, 37th in the country, um, offense rebounding percentage, 113th, which is fine. Three-point percentage, 24th in the country at 38%. They're going to be good. Yeah. It's just I, I, I don't know where the ceiling is for this team if it is not – it's not – enough change i feel like at times sure. i feel like we expected what we expected from zach nettle was to be come in and be the one to the cj mccollum to the damian lillard to an extent right. and right. i he just hasn't really been that to you do you have his season stats up by chance Let me uh, see if I, can get him. I had him up in a, yeah, um yeah i'm right here so he's i mean he's only shooting 38 percent from the floor which again he shot 44 percent uh at sam houston and he's down basically 10 points. He averaged almost 19, uh, 20 a yeah. game, and he's down to nine. Um, and he's down – and he's only down three minutes, right, on average, three minutes per game. So, yeah, he's definitely struggling shooting from the floor. Um, I Again, I wonder how much of that is just playing next to somebody like a Kendrick Davis, who, you know, is the initiator, is the guy, is the ball – you know, the, the playmaker, kind of everything goes through him. But conversely – I feel like Kendrick Davis is benefiting from Zach not all being there because Kendrick Davis is playing less minutes, shooting better yeah. and scoring more. Mm-hmm. Right. And so like, cause he's, he's his two point percentage is up. He's almost shooting 60% from twos. Yeah. He's 50 uh, compared to 52% from twos last year, 40% from three compared to 37%. He's shooting roughly two more threes per game. So like, I wonder if the attention off of him has hurt Zach not all a bit. Or maybe just like Zach Nuttall's having an issue, maybe getting into the rhythm of the game. Um, but it's helping Kendrick Davis because teams teams can't just key in on him anymore. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. Uh, his assists are down a bit because he, so he is, he's focusing on a little bit of scoring a little bit more. But yeah, I wonder if they're just working on the balance because the other one, the guy who I feel like should be working his way into the lineup is Tristan Clark. And he hasn't started a game yet. Yeah. And he's averaging 18 minutes a game. Yeah. He's only played over. T- I feel like his is a more conditioning thing because he only played 20 minutes, 
twice this whole year. Um, but he shoot, his percentages are really good in somebody who's really effective in those short minutes. He's shooting 71% from the floor um, in just 18 minutes a game, almost averaging seven points a game and four rebounds. And again, again, this is somebody at Baylor who was, you know, a cons- an, two, uh, I should say 2019 uh, or 2018, yeah. 2019 was somebody who was playing basically 30 minutes a game, right? Yeah. And so understandably, if Jankovic is wanting to bring him along slowly, because I believe, let me see, he since 2019, since that 2018, 2019 season, he only played 22 minutes, right? Because of course, or 22 games, because of course he was injured last year and he met, he retired medically retired before coming back. So I wonder if it is just like, Hey, this guy's just not ready yet to play 30 minutes a game. Understandably cool. And so they were using this to maybe get him into more playing shape for conference play, because looking at the, I mean, just, just knowing his pedigree, where he came from, he would have absolutely been a starter on that national title contending Baylor team if he was healthy. Um, And so I wonder if it, if it is just like, Mm -hmm. you're saving him for conference play. You don't need to play him right now. We're not really stressed about, you know, pressing him against UL Monroe. Yeah. Um, We we've talked, we haven't talked a ton about SMU this year. Yeah. Um, I think shocking because we were really high on them heading or we were really interested in them heading into the, yeah, it's, it's weird. I don't know. You look at their schedule and how it kind of played out. I mean, I watched them play Missouri earlier in the year and I was kind of underwhelmed in that game. Um, so we've kind of just kept tab, like, you know, kept them at like an arm's reach, you know, they're there whenever we need them. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's been a lot of other really interesting teams to talk about that have significant results. SMU hasn't had that significant result that we've been able right. to hold, hang our hat on good or bad to this right. point. <clears throat> um, I do think that, cause I, I will wrap, wrap this up uh, here, but if you look at the Vanderbilt game, I feel like that game is kind of indicative of what this team can be to an extent. Kendrick Davis, 21 points. Um, Zach Nuttall, 20 points on three of three from two, four of 11 from three. And Emmanuel Bandamel, uh, 11 points. And then everybody else kind of fills in after that. They beat a really solid Vanderbilt team that a Vanderbilt team that was expected to beat them. They beat them by 12. They put up 84 points. They only scored nine points in the second quarter, though. They scored 34 points in the third quarter, and they go from there. Um, I just think this it, this does have a chance to be the second or third best team in the American. If they just have to prove it and they have to put it together. Because at this point, they haven't shown us that they are. I think that they are different from last year, and I agree with you. They haven't shown us that they're better than last year, which is concerning to this point. I still think they have a higher ceiling. I just don't yeah. think that they've reached that yet. So, And I wonder part of, I, I don't know, because the, the one thing I've been pleasantly surprised with, and it was a concern that we had heading into the year, is their defense. Their defense has been really good, right? Because we were wondering, like, can Zach not all defend? You know, yeah. we can, is, is all these scores on the floor, but can they play defense? Can they play together? And I think that's one surprisingly their offense has been the issue. And I think that's something we expected to be their, their strength and yeah. their defense has been their strength. It's, you know, you mentioned that they're 32nd in defensive uh, effective field goal percentage. So I feel like that's something to be positive about um, to where it's like, okay, the thing we were worried about is actually okay. And so maybe naturally as the season goes along, their offense gets better, which I would lean more to be the case with this group of talent. Yeah. Um, before we move on, because I'm just I'm just going through these teams uh, yeah. real quick. We don't have to spend a long, lot of time on this. A team that I think 
and you can disagree with me if you want, a team that I think has stayed the same is Texas Tech from last year. Yes. I think they are very similar. If I think they're better than last mm-hmm. year's team. I think they are better defensively, which they are six in the country on defense. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they – I mean, they lost to Gonzaga, which is to be expected. They lost to Providence. But other than that, they've had really good results. They beat Tennessee in overtime. Uh, the strength of schedule is not very high to this point, so they've only had three really impressive games. And that's Providence, Tennessee, and Gonzaga. Like I said, they lost two of them. They beat Tennessee. So um, Tennessee or Texas Tech with Terrence Shannon, Kevin McCuller, Davion Warren, Bryson Williams, um, uh, Kevin O'Banner being their like kind of main guys. Uh, mm-hmm. I think I look at them as being kind of um, on another level from last year's team. To a yeah, I, I, I definitely agree with that. I think that when you look at this season, I feel like there's going to be because you can look at the Gonzaga loss, right? And you can, we can uh, talk about Texas in a bit, but it's like, I think there are going to be, this year is going to be the year where there's probably five or six teams that just might be a step above everybody. Right. And I think Gonzaga is one of those teams. I think Baylor's one of those teams. Um, And so I think I don't want to look too much into that Gonzaga loss because I just think tech might be just outside of that, that bubble. Right. Um, but with that being said, I do think this tech team has a higher ceiling than last year's because last year's felt a lot like, okay, they're, they're going to play good defense. They're going to rely on that. But uh, Mac McClung, we need something, right? We yeah. need something on offense. Mac McClung, get us a bucket. This year, Terrence Shannon stepped up a level. They have, of course, Kevin O'Banner. They have Bryson Williams, who's able to get them a bucket. They have um, uh, Marco Santos Silva. They have Daniel Bacho if they want to play, if they want to grime it up a little bit they can throw different looks at you. Um, and so to where they're not just relying on one player or one style, um, as we saw against Tennessee, they can grime it up a bit. As we saw against Providence, they can score a little bit if they need to. Yeah. Um, because last year it felt like if they were giving up 70, they were going to lose, right? Just, just flat out. Yeah. Um, and this year it's like, okay, well, they can give up 65, 70, and they can still kind of be in the game. Um, yeah. So it's you know, a better, I, it's a better, it, it feels obviously kind of going to our SMU point. It feels like a team with a higher ceiling. Um, yes. It just hasn't materialized yet, but I think conference play is really where we're going to see it. We're not going to see it in, in non-conference as much. Oh yeah, no, exactly. I think that um, I think, you know, we've talked about, <clears throat> we talked about Daniel Bacho working his way into the lineup a little bit more. Um, and I think that he's, he started to do that. I think it was particularly against Tennessee Um where he do, where he'll have those Adonis arms as somebody who's worked his way in, and so like, like I mentioned, they just it's just a lot more. It, there's a lot more fascinating pieces to this one than, and I think because Mark Adams is somebody who kind of knew their limits of the past couple of years. You know, when you don't have a guy like a a, a Jarrett Culver or somebody who kind of like transcends. You know, um, we talked about it a little bit with like a J.V. on Hamlet with North Texas. If you don't have that alpha who can just kind of bail you out of so many situations, you need to be able to switch it up a little bit more. And Terrence Shannon, somebody who potentially can be that, but maybe just not right now, you know? Yep. All right. Uh, teams that have changed teams that uh, we're looking at differently this year than last year. Um, I think Texas is a good place to start. Yeah. But not only because of the change at head coach from Shaka Smart to Chris Beard, but you also have the massive influx and change in personnel. Um, obviously, with um, <clears throat> Timmy Allen, Trey Mitchell, 
in the front court, um, Marcus Carr in the back court, joining some returners in Andrew Jones and Courtney Ramey, mm-hmm. um, Christian Bishop, another forward that they've brought in. How are we looking at this Texas team going into conference? Like I said, they've played two teams in the top. What is this? 80, 88, 85 in the country, mm-hmm. and they've lost to them both in Seton Hall yeah. and Gonzaga. What do we think of Texas compared to last year and then also going into conference? I think this is kind of a little bit of a what stayed the same, what's new. What's new is Texas, but what stayed the same is Chris Beard. Um, I think that that's kind of the difference, and I think both in a good and bad way. Um, this is a team that's really good on defense right now. They're top, uh, they're top 10 in adjusted efficiency on defense. Um, but God, are they boring to watch? Like they're, they really, really are slow. And that's, that's the Chris Beard thing. And I think against a Gonzaga and against a Seton Hall, you know, teams that are a little bit better offensively than you're going to get, that's going to hurt them. Um, and against a Seton Hall, who's probably just as good defensively right now as you are, you know, what's that next gear for a team like this? And also bigger than, than bigger, they are. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, 100%. They're definitely bigger. And I will say, I think that's what I don't, I still don't think we've seen the final form of this Texas team either. Cause like, you know, somebody like a Dylan DeSue is somebody who probably will make his way into the lineup a little bit more if they want to have a little bit more size. Um, and I know he was battling injury for a little bit. So again, that, he might be somebody who they throw in a little bit more, but I think the weaknesses we see right now are going to be the weaknesses we see in March, which are what happens when a team hits a couple threes on you and you need to battle back, right? Are you still walking the ball up the court? Is Marcus Carr really the guy that fits this system? I still don't think so, but um, he's obviously a talented player. Um, Yeah, I don't know. But in the end, I still think this is a team that's going to compete for the Big 12 because of that defense and because of you know, Chris Beard is one of the best coaches in the country, right? He is who he is, and he's going to frustrate some people because, you know, even going back to his days at Little Rock, um, that's just who he is. He's going to slow the ball down, slow the game down, and make you win doing his style more often than not. But there's going to be the occasional game against a Baylor, um, against maybe a Texas Tech, who knows? Uh, another team we can talk about a little, bit, a little bit, TCU maybe. Is that a team that maybe catches them off guard maybe once, uh, once the- this year? Um, yeah the big 12 the big 12 is is more deep this year like the bottom of it seems like it's it's better and we can talk about tcu because tcu is a team that has changed from last year and i think um that is a little bit of what's new uh this year tcu being a top 70s top 60 team in the country pretty comfortably uh after last year being probably outside of the top 100 if you look at them and a big thing uh, i was looking at the kim palm just while we while we were uh, prepping for this mm-hmm. their defense last year ranked 166 this year ranks 57th yeah and that is going to keep you in games granted their schedule has not been very difficult they lost to santa clara um that which who's ranked 83rd uh mm-hmm. beat utah ranked 74 and beat texas a&m which was the big one uh which who is ranked 63rd they also beat georgetown which is not a bad win at all um but like we said going into conference there's not a team on their schedule in conference play that is ranked lower than 68 in the country. Like it just ramps up real, real quickly for you. And that's a credit to the big 12 because the big 12 is, um, I think I saw they were the best ranked, the best 
uh, conference basketball conference in the country. And it's not hard to see why. I mean, even on, you're like, oh, we got an off now. We play Oklahoma State. They're probably a top 50 team in the country. West Virginia is like top 40, 30 team in the country. So how much will it translate to Big 12 play? And how much are these numbers inflated because of maybe not having played the best competition, despite Kempom taking that into consideration to a degree? Mm-hmm. I think um, we've seen everybody kind of take the step forwards that they've needed to, right? Micah Peavy, Chuck O'Bannon, um, Jacoby Cole is to a degree. Um, Mike Miles is the interesting one for me because I think there's even more room for him to get better. I think there's room for him to become more efficient, to become more of a playmaker that they need and show because a lot of com- coming into the year, a lot of it talk with I heard was Mike Miles is going to get drafted after this year. Mike Miles could in the second round be a draft pick. Mm-hmm. Still, there's room where I'm like, okay, but he's not quite there yet to sure. me. Like, sure. I, I still need to see more from him. So, uh, Mike Miles uh, averaging 17 points per game, awesome. Shooting 31% from three, less awesome. 38% from the field, 31 minutes. He's clearly the player that this team needs to be great. Right. He just hasn't materialized yet. 46 assists to 33 turnovers. I need a little bit more from him. And then I'll take this TCU team seriously to be like top seven, eight in the conference. Right. I think the big, I think the biggest addition for this TCU team has been Emmanuel Miller um, yes. from AM. He's been just a revelation and he's somebody who, you know, I feel, like, I feel like, uh, cause we always have the discussion of is AM good or not. Um, and, and just cause I don't know, the record looks fine, but you watch him and you're like, ah, I don't know. I feel like if he, I feel like the fortunes of, the, of these two teams would change if he was still on AM. Yes. Because like his defense, I think for TCU has been phenomenal. I think his rebounding has been phenomenal for TCU and his scoring. He's been a good backup scoring option um, who's efficient in the paint and he kind of gives you something else um, next to Mike Miles on the outside. And it's funny how like the team's fortunes, you know, kind of flip when he switches teams where it's like, oh yeah, now TCU is actually pretty good on defense and, you know, they have a secondary option. And um, I don't know. I just feel like, yeah, he, he's kind of been in addition to some other guys, like I think Eddie Lampkin has been a really good rebounder as well for them. He's kind of played a, a, a definitely a pretty big part in kind of how I want to say an offensive rebounding there, like the third in offensive rebounding, rebounding percentage in the country. Um, and I want to say he, those two guys have played a big part of that. Um, but I agree. I think the key to this will be Mike Miles kind of cleaning things up because he's been a more efficient scorer in the past. And part of me just wants to think that oh, this is just him maybe, you know, taking a little bit more shots, right? It's probably, there's probably more, I don't see, um, uh, this is just, uh, I think this is just him, the natural kind of ebbs and flows of a score shooting more, right? Where he's like, his numbers are down a little bit. Okay, but, you know, maybe when the season goes along, he kind of gets things going together a little bit more. I will say, I don't know if Shahada Wells has been just kind of injured yeah, or I don't know the situation, not man. adjusting right now because he was somebody um, that, you know, we expected coming in from UTA to yeah. be a big player. Um, actually, I'm looking at it right now. He is out for the year. So he's taking a medical red shirt. Um, because he'd only played two games. This was uh, this was as of December 14th. So there you yeah. go. 
Um, because he'd only played seven games up to now. So I was wondering if he was battling an injury. So he has taken a medical red shirt. So I do wonder if this is more Mike, uh, Mike Miles saying, okay, well, there goes probably our secondary scoring option on the outside. I kind of got to do a little bit more now. Yeah. Um, and uh, the team who's pretty much on the same trajectory as TCU as far as last year, this year is Texas A&M uh, under Buzz Williams once again. Uh, they've jumped up basically from being like 135 to 63rd in the country in Kim Palm. Uh, again, not an incredibly difficult schedule, but they did beat Oregon State. They, they lost to TCU, like we mentioned. They beat Notre Dame, beat Butler. Did some decent results, beat Abilene Christian in over, double overtime early in the season, which we weren't sure if the, how good of a result that was. Abilene Christian sure. was always solid. Um, it's been Quentin Jackson a lot. Um, you have other guys like Henry Coleman, Tyrese Radford. Um, Way Taylor, Taylor has, yeah, the, exactly. Way Taylor started to come into his own. Um, the defense, I guess, I mean, has been the difference now 51st in the country in defense, uh, forcing turnovers at a high rate, 13th in the country in opponent turnover percentage. And yeah, credit to Buzz Williams. He's starting to get this thing turned around. And it doesn't look like he's doing it with great players, but he's doing it with a little bit of a, a system and a little bit of um, a culture, which is refreshing, I'm sure, for AM fans here. Yeah, definitely. I think that uh, I, I really think we're going to be having this discussion about like whether they're good or not, right? Because like yes. the schedule hasn't been great. They they lost to. I feel like I would I would I t- I think I would have taken them over TCU. Um, I can't remember who I picked in that game or if it was just kind of a wait and see. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like they should have probably beaten that TCU team. Uh, that Wisconsin loss was pretty bad considering how they started that game. Um, but. With all that being said, still 10 and 2. We mentioned with before the show, we can talk a little bit about this. We mentioned with UTEP how we're unsure about UTEP, where we, you know, they don't play this great schedule. Their numbers are kind of all over the place. They should be showing something. Conversely, with AM, they don't play a great schedule, but okay, they're taking advantage of that schedule, right? You're seeing a yeah. good defense. You're seeing a team, a deep, a defense that forces turnovers. You're seeing a deep a team that shoots the three well, right? You're seeing those reflect in the numbers. And it's like, okay, if you play a schedule that's not tough, you should be showing what you're good at pretty easily. And even, even in that loss to Wisconsin, I was like, okay, this is a team that shoots the ball well, that can get on a roll, that can really get things going in a rhythm. And, and Wade Taylor somebody who's starting to really flex his muscle a little bit more. Um, they're getting it done by committee. Nobody's really playing 30 minutes a game. I think there's only – there's three players that are playing over 25 minutes, but like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven 10, 11 players playing 10 minutes a game, right? Yeah. They're really deep. And so I really, I'm still, we always have the, the fun discussion. If you're buying or selling stock, I'm still holding on to this A&M stock. Cause I, there's just something really interesting here. Um, that again, we'll all, it'll all come out in SEC play because the SEC is really good this year, but um, I don't think they're going to be a team that competes in the SEC this year, but I feel like this is a team that is going to be kind of a frustrating team for some of the top teams in the SEC. If, if, if they can just be competitive, that's, it's, 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 it's a big step forward from last year. Uh, that's right. for damn sure. Um, all right, yeah, I've sold Rice to this point. I sold UTSA to this point, and I've sold Texas A&M to this point. So those are the three that I've sold um, – <laughs> I don't think we need to spend too much time. Rice is the same as last year, uh, yeah. despite we were hoping that they would get better. UTSA is 
different from last year because last year they had Jack Javon Jackson and Keaton Wallace. This year they don't, and they have not been able to find an identity outside of them. And um, yeah, we talked about Texas A&M. Texas A&M is obviously one a riskier sell uh, mm-hmm. than the other two, but um, and who knows? Maybe Rice can get something going in conference play. I doubt it, but who knows? Um, yeah. But yeah, those are those are the three that I've sold on to this point. Uh, you have anything on Rice and UTSA? Uh, no, I think I've I definitely sold UTSA. I'm probably going to sell Rice now. Um, I just think we know what those teams are. Um, like I said, I'm still holding on to a and I'm not going to sell them just yet. One team that I think we both bought on, I don't know if you agree, but... Oh, I sold... I, I don't know if I've, I did that on the pod, last podcast, but I've also sold Sam Houston. I'm out on Sam Ooh, Houston. okay. I, th- I don't know if you have done that either. I talked about it. I talked about it last podcast. Yeah. I just I'm looking at the WAC, yeah, and I don't think they compete in the WAC. I don't but think. I conversely, just, I'm buying Tarleton State. Um, like give that. me some of that Tarleton State stock. I like I'll that. take. Uh, again, I don't know if they win the WAC, but they're 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 a team that I feel like you look back on. You're like, damn, they knocked off Abilene Christian in one game. You know, yeah. um, I think they're going to be hovering around that 500 mark, and. I mean, we mentioned it with that, I think, Gonzaga in Michigan where you're, like, you're just hanging around. And it's just like, what, what's this team kind of frustrating these power teams before? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think they're just a team that kind of creates a lot of havoc with, with Billy Gillespie, mm-hmm. and they force a lot of turnovers. Um, so I'm going to buy a little bit on, on Tarleton right now. So that's one team that I think people should watch out for. In the we, both bought te- we both bought Texas Southern yes, uh, early, early Texas on. Southern. Early on. Um, uh, I mean, I, at this point, I, early on, I would not have bought North Texas, uh, yeah. the Wichita state win for me did a lot, uh, mm-hmm. just in what I think they can be. So Ooh, I'll buying one right now as well. I'm looking over right now. I'm buying Corpus Christi. I need a pin. Oh, that's a good one. That's, that's give a me, good one. That's give, a really good Corpus. one. 10 and three Steve Lutz's first year and good they point. just beat Lamar. They just beat Lamar, okay? And they only lost to Notre Dame by 10. No, that's a good one. Give me Corpus Christi. They beat UTSA by? How much did they beat UTSA by? Do you have that statement? Uh, they beat UTSA by 12. No, uh, sorry. I'm going to do math. Uh, eight. eight. Is that eight? No, oh, I don't even know what that's about. You can do it. I believe in you. <laughs> Seven. Uh, seven. There we go. <laughs> Yeah, they beat UTSA by seven. They beat UTRGV 83-77. And they beat uh they beat UTRGV twice um in That's the span of a week, it looks like. So uh yeah, but and then they only lost to Minnesota by eight. Yeah, no, buy me give me all of this Corpus Christi stock right now. Especially because we have no idea what the hell the Southland is right now. <laughs> so, I like that. Um, yeah. I haven't sold UTEP yet, uh, but they're getting scary and they start off with UAB and LaTeX. I'm kind of scared. It's weird to like, it's weird. Again, UTEP's just a weird team to get a grasp on because you know those aren't his players, but like yes. there's just talent there to where like you just kind of figure structure would eventually help them. But yeah, it's getting, it's getting a little scary. Out yeah, I don't think it's on Golding. I think, no, no, I, no, I just no. think it's first year situation, not right. ideal. And you're being thrown into that. I don't think it's great. So yeah, that was good. All right. Um, I think that wraps up our buy sell. Um, if we want to look ahead a little bit, maybe throw some yeah. predictions out there at sure. some games. Uh, let's start with the Big 12. Um, 
Texas and West Virginia. West Virginia at Texas to be specific on January 1st. And then Baylor at Iowa State on January 1st as well. So you have a nice little double header there. Uh, yeah. give me, let's get predictions. Let's let's put them in ink. I'm going, I'm going Texas and Baylor. I'm going right away. I think Texas has shown enough to where I think they're you know, we, of course we know West Virginia, they're gonna want to win ugly, right? This, that's yeah. how West, that's how Bob Huggins does it. I think Texas is perfectly okay with that. Um I think this isn't this isn't the type of team that gets Texas, in my opinion. It's more of the teams that are that can take more advantage from three, that can shoot better. West Virginia does not shoot the ball well. Um, they're I think they're 250 in three-point percentage. Um, they force a lot of turnovers, but I think Texas is good enough to overcome that. West Virginia is gonna be good, but I don't think Texas is the team give, that they're gonna be able to get. Give a loose Texas by blank. Texas by Ooh. how much? Texas by 10. I'll say okay. Texas. And Baylor by? Baylor by, ooh, I will admit, I have not watched a single second of Iowa Me State. Neither. Me neither. Um, Me neither. We got to throw it out there, though, for the people. I'm going to say Baylor by 14. Yeah. Oh, damn. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I'll say Baylor by 12, Texas by, I think, I think Texas kind of struggles a little bit more with West Virginia. I think, uh, what did you say you said? I said by 10. By 10? Yeah, I think they struggle a little bit more. I th- I must, I'll say by five. I'll okay. say Texas by five, Baylor by um, 12. Okay. I think both those are good. Um, West Virginia at TCU January 3rd. Whew. Um, that's a big game for Texas yeah. TCU, man. That's big. That's, that's since the, the January 1st games have been postponed or canceled. I don't know how Big 12 is doing it. But yeah. Texas Tech and Oklahoma State and TCU and Kansas have both were or at least listed as postponed on their website. Mm-hmm. Okay. So um, TCU West Virginia will be the first game for TCU. And I don't know if they can pull that out, but it is at home and it's a big game. So I'm not going to predict. basically has that one as a toss up. It has TCU by one, but that's more of a home court thing. Jesus. Yeah. So I'm not going to predict that one or ask you to predict that. That's a, that's a tough one. Well, we'll, we'll get to tough ones later on, but not at the moment. Uh, Lamar, Sam Houston, December 30th. So Thursday. Ooh. So the day after we record this. Um, I, I'm taking Lamar. I don't know what the Kim Palm says. I'm taking Lamar by like really? six. I'm taking Sam. Lamar is not very good, man. I, I mean, neither is Sam Houston, but. Uh, How does Kim Palm have it at? Kim Palm has it Sam Houston by eight. What's the result that I saw from Lamar? They kept uh, it. They kept it. They kept it close with the Anum Corpus Christi. Kept it. Some, kept it close with Monroe. Mississippi State, they lost by 15. Yeah. I don't, I don't know, man. They're not, they're not great. They're not great. Upset pick. <laughs> there you go. Monroe's going to beat Sam Houston State, and Sam Houston State's going to shoot about three. Of, Lamar is going to be yeah. Sam Houston State. They're going And Sam, Sam Houston's going to shoot like three of 20 from the free throw line and lose. <laughs> That's what's going to happen there. They're really bad from free throw. <laughs> Sam Houston is, I think they might be last in the country in free throw percentage. I think, I think they are. They shot, they shoot 48% from the free throw line for those who don't know. <gasps> um, lastly, for me, um, I don't know if you have any more. Uh, do you yeah. have any prediction on Abilene Christian, Utah Valley? Ooh. I do not. Man. I do not. That That's a... If you're wanting to pay attention to the whack this year, that's a game to watch. That is legitimately like two of the best teams, probably two of the best three teams or four teams in the in the whack. 
Um, you're looking at Grand Canyon, New Mexico State, and Utah Valley, and of course with Abilene Christian. Uh, where's that one at? Is that at? I think it's at Utah, Utah Valley. Valley. I, I think I might go Utah Valley with the away game. I trust you as my I know, AC, insider. AC was also on a, on a nice nine-game win streak. Though. AC yeah, is playing well. So, but I think I'm going to stick with Utah Valley just to be safe. All right, Rice, North Texas, men's basketball, last game. All right, come on. That's that's North Texas. North Texas dropped this one right off the gate to Rice (laughs) after we've sold Rice. So I sold Rice and I bought North Texas. Um, And it's in Denton. Man, Rice Rice might just not get off the bus. I was right. They need to. Yeah, no. Their shooting needs to come all the way. Rice comes out and shoots like. 18 to 25 from three. I was about like, is, is that still not this type of team that like they're, they could go in with a losing record and then they just hit 23s and it's like, Oh, cool. There's, there's that. Like, it's just how this team's going to go. Team is awful. Uh, yeah. Awful. I, awful is a strong word. Cause but I'm, strong, I'm, comparing them to what, I'm comparing them to what they should be. I sure. feel like this rice team should be decent. They're top ten in three point percentage. Yes, I don't. Like they, should be, they should be. No, I agree with oh, you. Oh yeah, like, no, no, you're right. Yes, they should be like insanely good. Like they should be one of the mid majors that were like, man, rice. You know, this year because they're twelfth in effective field goal percentage in the country, third, a ninth in three point percentage. And I don't know. And the, you know, we mentioned Texas. They lose eighty to sixty nine against Texas State. They lose to Oakland, Fordham. Like, they've lost to basically every decent team they've played Yep. Um, by, like, a pretty good margin. So, yeah. Lost to Texas State without Isaiah Small. By without, like, without Isaiah Small. When they were up in the first half. they were half, up at half. We, 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 we went through that. But, yeah, I don't know. Frustrating team. But Disgusting. We'll All right. <laughs> I, oh, think one more, I got one more Go question for you. Midseason MVP and midseason newcomer. It could be newcomer or breakthrough player. It doesn't have, have to be a new player. But I can't act like you put me on the spot with this because you did text me this beforehand. I just didn't think I'll, about I'll go, it. I'll go first to give go you ahead. some time. Go ahead. So, unfortunately, my new my MVP was Marcus Sasser. Um, a, yeah, probably. Yeah, I think that would have – he was my MVP, and he still is my MVP based off the early season. Of course, he's out for the year now. My newcomer, I was struggling a little bit with this one because it was a newcomer slash breakthrough, but I went with the more newcomer. I think it's Trey Mitchell for Texas. Um, I could have gone Kendall Brown. I could have gone James Akinjo. I could have gone, there was another uh, Jonathan Chamochacho from Baylor yeah. for breakthrough. Um, but I went Trey Mitchell because I think with what Texas is good at, and I still think they have trouble shooting, but I think him and his athleticism, being able to stretch the floor, being able to not get, being, quick enough to be able to switch from the perimeter, play defense on both sides, inside, outside. I think he's given them a lot next to Timmy Allen. Timmy Allen's another guy. You could have been a, a, a newcomer. Yeah. Um, but his ability to stress the floor, not being a huge mismatch, unless you're going against a Drew Timmy, which, again, he's a mismatch on everybody. But I think he's given them so much on both ends already. Um, I think he's been a big key. And his chemistry with Timmy Allen has been a big key to what they've been able to do really well so far. Newcomer, I'm going James Kinjo. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was the first one that came to mind. And sure. I just – what he's been able to do for that Baylor team has been incredible. Yeah. The the improvement he's been able to make has been awesome. Um, and the way he kind of leads that team, dictates the pace, 
I mean, on both ends, he really dictates what they do and what they do well. So um, James Akendro is my going to be my pick for, for newcomer. MVP, I'm going to go with Kendrick Davis. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to stick with him. I think he's still one of the best guards in the country, um, and he still has a lot on his plate, and he's been able to continue to be an efficient player and lead this SMU team. Um, their struggles are never on him. It's about figuring out how to piece pieces around him, which sure. you could say maybe that's on him for not being the easiest to play with. But, I mean, the, what he's been able to do, I think, at this point will has replicated to what he what he was last year and will continue to be effective for this team moving forward. So I'm going to go Kendrick Davis because um, I can't bring myself to pick anybody off that Texas team. Um, yeah, I, I Sasser would have been the pick, I think, which is incredible to say. Right. It sucks. So yeah. here we are. <laughs> All right. You know, let's see with Houston. Like I said, it's that hurts, but um, you know, it'll be something to watch. So, yep. All right. We hope y'all enjoyed this uh, primer episode and then preview and just kind of all in one gumbo episode of everything uh, men's college basketball in Texas. Uh, So if you enjoyed the episode, feel free to share it. Leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple. Follow us on Twitter at DCT Basketball. Follow Ishmael on Twitter at Ishmael R. Johnson. Follow me on Twitter at Matthew Bruni underscore. Um, Ish, we're finally here. Conference play is here. No more of texas tech versus a 300th ranked team in the country we can finally see some good basketball finally see some good basketball so we're excited we'll have y'all with uh two episodes a week moving forward throughout 2022 so stay tuned to that Uh, but yeah we appreciate y'all for listening and we'll talk to y'all later